Like many Europeans, I began drinking as soon as I could. For me, that meant as soon as I was old enough to put on a baggy coat and do a kind of stumbling impression of an 18-year-old. So, about 15. I remember it well. I'd always do a couple of laps of these shops, like I imagined an adult might, appearing to browse an issue of FHM and consider a bag of lentils before finally deciding on, yes, the litre of Smirnoff, please. Where I was unusual is in how much I loved drinking games. I studied these with a kind of nerdy fervour. Whenever conversation stalled at whatever kitchen or patio or tree we were drinking at, someone would ask me for a game. That was my role, and I loved it. Okay, I'd say, a grin creeping across my face, a clink as I'd set my bottle down. Now, before we get into the best games I remember playing, I want to take a little jab at a kind of person who's been bothering me for my entire drinking life. And that's the one person in a group who says, I don't need a game to drink. Why don't we just drink? Thinking about it now, maybe this is a kind of cosmic role handed out as well, just as mine was. Maybe our two archetypes have been dueling across cultures, across time. Drinking games, of course aren't about getting drunk. Don't listen to what other people might tell you. They're about taking the best reasons to drink. The silliness, the laughter, the easy, happy socializing, and concentrating it, folding it double, then quadruple, until all of the room's honest attention and comic befuddlement is located in a single person, or a single act, And then, because you are all drinking during this, you're chasing this moment of joy down deeper, drunker chasms that are even sillier and funnier. Brendan's essay on the Irish concept of crack, linked uh, in this podcast description, might help you out here. When we're feeling sentimental on Shut Up and Sit Down, we sometimes say that board games are just about creating memories with your friends. Happy memories that you'll carry around like a bag of jewels until the day you fall over dead. Well, drinking games are much the same thing. I can't remember every night I've spent at the pub, but I can definitely remember each brilliantly stupid, laughing until your sides hurt, dumb game that we played. So, please allow me to present five of my favourite drinking games. Ladies and gentlemen, children who ostensibly shouldn't be listening to this, please do try these at home. We start with a classic, an old standby and an easy game to start the night. We'll get into the esoterica later. Game number one, Categories. Categories sees players sat in a circle. A category is agreed upon. Dog breeds, names of Battlestar Galactica characters, bones in the human body, anything at all. A starting player says something from this category. Leodama, or the spine, or labradoodle, and points at somebody else. That player must then name something else in the category, immediately, or drink. It's also important to enjoy a bit of mob mentality here. Spine, skull, metatarsal, kneecap, funny bone, uh, 
And everyone at that point should jump on that player, shout at them to drink. Yes, command them. They deserve it. Enjoy being part of a mob. Or if you've lost, enjoy being the center of attention. These are two of the oldest human instincts and there is warmth in there. Now, European drinking games distinguish themselves from games popular in North America in one key way. Americans and Canadians value skill. Beer pong, flip cup, keg stands, all of this encourages glory for the victor as if they've got something to prove. As any European knows, however, glory in drinking games is boring. Failure is what we seek. Beautiful, stuttering failure. Because that makes a room feel good as opposed to an individual. It encourages laughter rather than shouts. With this in mind, one rule is important to enjoying a good game of categories. Pick an astonishingly broad category. Countries of the world is a good one. Um, Colours. Something that anyone could name on the spot, you know? Let us be clear. The win state of categories is to reduce your friend to a paralyzed grunt when he's asked to name anything you might buy in a supermarket. The whole room will rejoice in this demonstration of something more precious than expertise. Humility. Game number two. Thumbmaster. One of the most delicate game designs, even outside of drinking games, Thumbmaster starts with one player being designated with the holy mantle of the Thumbmaster. At various points throughout the evening, at their discretion, the Thumbmaster hooks their thumb onto the table, just the first knuckle or phalange, like a mouse peering up at everybody from the lip of the table. Upon noticing this, other players must silently hook their own thumb onto the table, ideally without giving any sign of having noticed at all, the conversation still continuing around them. Eventually, only one person will be left, having not noticed. He or she is the loser. This next part is very important. Do not tell them that they've lost. Continue talking. Share a knowing glance between the other victors. Smile. Until finally, however many seconds or entire minutes later, the loser spots a thumb and hooks their own onto the table. You may now enjoy the sight of their eyes flicking from thumb to thumb as, in horror, they realise that not only have they lost, they have no idea how long they've looked like an idiot for. This failure means they must drink. As with most of the games we're looking at today, and as with categories, as with Shut Up and Sit Down favourite Galaxy Trucker, Thumbmaster makes fantastic use of the relief players feel when they are not the odd one out. Losers, however, can enjoy, again, that sense of attention that they'll unwittingly receive. For a more dramatic game, replace the Thumbmaster with a Posemaster. Rather than hooking a thumb, the Posemaster merely adopts a pose and holds it. Eventually, other players catch on to this lack of movement, and while funnier than Thumbmaster, the payoff is quicker and dirtier. It won't take long for a player to notice that they're the only one without their hand behind their head, or you'd hope, but it makes them look still more unobservant. I'll make an honourable mention here of the related game of Sniper. Here, a player designated as the Scout can shout, SNIPER! And the last player to lay their head on the table must drink. If, however, they yell, GRENADE! The last player to be lying on the floor must drink. While less clever and significantly more dangerous than Thumbmaster, 
Sniper earns a mention here because few games can conjure the sight of five competitive friends simultaneously headbutting a table, or one panicked friend diving headlong into a table leg, or best of all, all of your friends lying on the floor and another friend headbutting the table for no reason. For this gift, I am eternally thankful to the game of Sniper. Final note on all of these games. Abuse of the position of Thumbmaster, Posemaster, or Scout should be met by immediate and noisy rebellion from the room, stripping that player of their post. Game number three, international drinking rules. Like any judiciary system, international drinking rules varies from country to country and has the potential to ruin lives. I like the following pared-down, comparatively easygoing version. One. No saying the word drink. Two, no saying another player's name. Three, no swearing. Four, no pointing. If anyone catches you breaking one of these rules, you must drink. Now, this is the single game most likely to catch flack from people. They don't want to have rules enforced over their evening, which is impossible to argue with. And as a veteran of teaching these games, I quickly developed a revolutionary's instinct for when the status quo was stable, or when I might be able to enforce my crap rule-related revolution. See, what people don't realise first and foremost is that international drinking rules is funny. It's not just an exercise to get more booze down you. It's funny because it's a system designed to catch people out precisely when they're trying to make other people drink. For example, Betty calls Ben's name across the room. And that breaks rule number two. Ben then points at Betty and says, Drink! Thus breaking rules number one and four. Betty points this out. Shit, Ben says, breaking rule number three. Shit, Ben says, breaking rule number three again. Ben then has to have four drinks for Betty's one. Ben and Betty don't just share this funny moment. They also provide a nice bit of theatre for the rest of the room. The other service International Drinking Rules provides is, like many drinking games, being the ultimate icebreaker. Players are shouting at one another, enforcing and breaking rules before they know one another's names, which, even if they did, they couldn't use anyway. There are countless other drinking rules you can put on this list, but I'll mention a couple here because they value creativity, can be played even by themselves, and are only as funny as the group is. The first is the little green man. With this rule, everyone has a little green man perched on the lip of their drink, who's invisible, obviously. To have a drink, you must first mime removing the little man from your beverage, and you must put him back on when you finish. Does that sound annoying again? Because it's not. It's still funny. Because you're watching your friends take care of a tiny, invisible green man, yes, but most importantly, if the green man is ever forgotten about, the player in question must, of course, go and get him from wherever he's run off to. And he's very fast. I think I saw him run outside the pub door, says your friend, in quotation marks. And of course, you must leave the pub and go and get your man, even if it's raining, especially if it's raining. Oh, I think I saw him on that girl's shoulder. Now you have to go and harass a friend. It's just funny. The other rule I'd recommend is copy-paste. If anyone does or says something funny anyone can say copy. Whenever you say paste to someone, they have to do or say the same thing again. This doesn't sound funny either, does it? Well, imagine saying copy 
when someone spills their drink on themselves. Game number four, Roxanne. To this day, Brendan plays some variant of this with the chain by Fleetwood Mac, but I want to tell you about the drinking game that accompanies Roxanne by the police. You form two teams of people. One team, we'll call them the good guys, must drink whenever Sting says the word Roxanne. The other team, who probably also believe themselves to be the good guys, must drink whenever Sting sings, put on the red light. Don't look up the lyrics to this song. Don't even listen to it before you play the game. Just declare that that's what's happening and put on the song and prepare to enter a tiny circle of hell. What's the point of this game? Well, it's complicated. I've been using a lot of fancy language up to this point, but a lot of the fun of drinking is just getting drunk. There's some lizard corner of your brain that gets tickled by it. We know this. The game of Roxanne plugs directly into this part of your brain. You're not just drinking. You're among a tribe. There's music. You're drinking together. You must drink. You must watch the other tribe drink. They drink at a different time to you. They are other. Probably, when the game finishes, you will have to destroy them. Roxanne is love. Roxanne is struggle. Most importantly, Roxanne is hearing the song at a party, sprinting down to the kitchen to take your position on a team and find a fresh drink and only then snarl, oh, who put this on? Game number five, vegetable. To finish my list, I present you with the rarest game that I know. Because it's occurred to me that now I'm too old to play it and it might die with me if I don't share it. This is an excellent folksy element of drinking games. They're all begged, borrowed, learned from somewhere else. They travel like diseases. So this is me putting my stupid game in a bottle and casting it out to sea, hoping it reaches some boozy teen out there. Vegetable is a very simple game and should be brought out only once everybody's a few drinks deep. First, everybody declares their vegetable name. Sweet pea, parsnip, potato, whatever. When the game begins, somebody says someone else's name, say pumpkin. And then pumpkin must say someone else's name, cauliflower, and so on. Cauliflower is technically a flower, but it's a good name for this game for reasons that will become clear. You teach the game like this. You do a little test run. Everybody's waiting for what comes next. You must take pleasure in saying this final rule, for as the deliverer of drinking games, it is pleasure that only you will receive. You tell them that the final rule is that you lose the game if you show your teeth. This, of course, reduces you all to a room of senile, toothless octogenarians calling out one another's names in gummy hostility. Sweet potato? Sweet, sweet, sweet pea? What was your name again? What everybody finds out quickly, though, is that if you laugh at all, your teeth will come into view of everybody. And if you don't start laughing immediately, you will, as players, start trying to crack one another. Cauliflower! Cauliflower, are you listening to me? Or when two players start aggressively calling one another's names back and forth in a weird vegetable tennis until they are screaming. What does this game have going for it? I... I don't know. Nothing, maybe. But I have happy memories of playing in it. And I have no idea who taught it to me. 
And that's kind of magic. That's all the games I've got for you today. But I bet you've got some games for me too. Why not drop your favorite drinking game or memory of one into the comments under this piece? We were always told to drink responsibly. What could be more responsible than that?